Turn in the scriptures to John the third chapter. John 3 and about verse 14. He said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Somebody say thank God for eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you have everlasting life? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Notice that phrase again. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. The father did not send Jesus to the earth. Jesus did not come to condemn. He came, he was sent to save. Say it out loud, not to condemn, condemn. but to save. save. Keep reading, he says, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, uh, the word condemned, is legal terminology, as is the word justified, which is the opposite of condemned. And really, there are whole portions and passages in the New Testament that are technically legalese. It's legal language, just like we use today. And it'll help us when we embrace that and understand that. The Father is the righteous judge of all the earth. And things happen in this earth depending on judgments from him now and in the future. And the word condemned means judged and found guilty. And uh, by you know, in opposition, the word justified, what do you think that means? It means found judged and found innocent or not guilty. So it's basically the two verdicts that you can have, the two outcomes when a case is brought against or when judgment comes down. You can be found guilty or not guilty. You can be found condemned or justified. So when you hear these words, let that be in your mind. When you hear the word condemned, what do you think? Guilty. 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 You hear the word justified, you think not guilty, also innocent. So uh, when he says that uh, God sent not his son into the world to find the world guilty, But that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him. Do you believe on him? He that believes on him is what? Not guilty. Do you believe on him? Then you are. Not guilty. (laughs) Most everybody has watched entirely too much. Legal shows and crime shows. So people that have never been arrested. Or have any issue. 
They know their Miranda rights. They may know, right? You can probably repeat them to me, right? What does it start off with? (laughs) See, I told you. You have the right to remain silent. (laughs) Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. What else? You have a right to an attorney. (laughs) Right? And if you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. (laughs) Now, all of that's not just humorous. It's going to come into play here later on with what we're looking at strongly, very strongly. But how many know that uh, in life, if you get charged with something, I mean, it's it's serious. If you get found guilty, they'll send you away. And for you to be found innocent is wonderful. You're free. You don't get punished. And this is exactly what is happening throughout the whole earth. What is happening now. What is going to happen in the days and time to come. There's coming a judgment day. Have you read about it in the scripture? And uh, the Bible talks about these things. Let's keep reading. He said, verse uh, 18, he that believes on him, on Jesus. Would you lift a hand and tell me if you believe on him or not? He that believes on him is what? Not guilty. But what if you don't believe on him? Guilty. You are guilty. Is anybody on this earth okay without Jesus? Not a one. People say, what about all these other religions? A billion people can't be wrong. Oh, yes, they can. Oh, yes, they can. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, Jesus said, and many that enter into that way. Straight and narrow is the way leads to salvation. And few, relatively, to the population of the planet that find it. Oh, yeah. Billions can be deceived. And believe lies. And be lost. If you don't believe on him. You are guilty already. Because. And it's not because. Of the sins per se. That you've committed in life. I had a fellow one time. Was uh, flying with me. In the early days of our flying. And uh, he was not a church goer. And he had some habits. That weren't good. And uh, he and I were, we got to a place and we're in the elevator at the hotel going up to the room and he looked down to the ground. He was real sheepish about some things that he was doing and, and uh, it just came up in my heart and, and, uh, and I said to him, I, said, I called his name, I said, I said, there's nobody in hell for doing that. He looked up at me, squinted his eyes like, really? <laughs> I said, no, no. How many know there's nobody in hell for being a drug addict, being a drunk, being a prostitute, being a murderer? Do you know that? Why? Because all those sins have been laid on Jesus and he paid the price for them. You know why people would wind up there? Not believing on him. That's the sin. 
Not believing on him. Not trusting in him. That's why you'd be found guilty. How many are glad, so glad, to be able to say, I believe on him. I got my faith in him. I got my confidence in him. I'm trusting in him. And Jesus said, if you do and you are, you are already not guilty. I like our new title, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say it out loud a time or two. Not guilty. Not guilty. Now go on over to the uh, eighth chapter of John. John 8, same book, few chapters over. And uh, we studied this earlier. The woman that was taken in the act of adultery and how they threw her down in front of Jesus and accused her and challenged him. And you remember Jesus in verse 10, John 8:10, when Jesus lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Now, again, this is legal terminology. Where are the ones who have brought charges against you? Has no man judged you and found you guilty? And what'd she say? Don't you think she was real happy to say, no, they're all gone. (laughs) Nobody's accusing me anymore. Nobody has uh, found me guilty. And so Jesus said, yeah, but shame on you for doing that. And you know better than that. You should be ashamed. Now if you weren't with us. We've already talked about this. It's why a lot of folks are shaking their head going no. Because we have said. We need to eliminate that phrase. From our vocabulary. Because it's devilish. Don't say shame on you. Shame on me. Don't say shame on your dog, cat or goldfish. Just get it out of your thinking and vocabulary because it's devil talk. I said, devil talk? Absolutely. Revelation 12 says the devil, our adversary, is the accuser of the brethren that accuse them before their God day and night. Always bringing charges against. Always trying, you know, accusing you of being guilty. Trying to get you to accept condemnation and shame and guilt. The believer is supposed to be, has a right to be, completely blameless and shameless. Now I know most folks don't live like this. I know most church going people don't even believe this. But it is what belongs to the child of God. Say it out loud. Blameless, Blameless. shameless, Shameless. innocent, Innocent. not guilty, guilty. righteous, Righteous. justified, Justified. not guilty. guilty. If you believe on him, that's you. Is that you? Do you believe on him? Am I making this up as I go along? I'm quoting scriptures, right? (laughs) Jesus said right there in John 3, we just got through reading it. If you believe on him, you're not condemned. What did Jesus say? He didn't say shame on you. What did he say? 
Neither do I find you guilty. Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her what she had done was all right. He didn't say, I sin. That's no big deal. He didn't say that. It was a big deal. It was sin. He said, don't do it anymore. But what else did he say? I'm not judging you over it. I'm not finding you guilty over it. Go and sin no more. Too many folks are interested in fixing the blame. Jesus fixed the problem. (laughs) He fixed the sin. (laughs) Don't be involved in fixing the blame. Focus on what Jesus has done. And in Romans 8, it talks about what he's done. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no no guiltiness. No guiltiness. Somebody say no guiltiness. No guiltiness to them which are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then you should have how much condemnation? None. How much guiltiness? None. How much blame? None. How much shame? None. I've had people look at me and say, yeah, but now preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've been. You don't know. And I've looked right back at them and said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. You still think your sin is greater than his blood. And it's not. The vilest, most awful thing that's ever been done on the planet is nothing in front of the blood. Do you believe it, saints? Not to say that sin is good, not to say that it's any better than it is. We're just talking about how great the blood is, how powerful the blood is. It's the only thing in the universe, the only thing in time and eternity that was powerful enough and valuable enough to buy us And redeem us and cleanse us. Nothing else was or will ever be powerful enough to cleanse the conscience. To cleanse the spirit and the soul. To remove the burden of guilt and shame and blame. Nothing else is powerful enough to do it except the blood. But the blood is. I said it is. And to act like it's not is to do disrespect to the blood. Would you confess and say his blood blood is much greater greater than all my sin. sin. Much greater greater than anyone's sin. sin. Much greater. Keep reading. Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death which is where the guilt comes from. The wages of sin is death. What is death? Death is the punishment For being found guilty. But the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Has given me the justified innocent sentence. The not guilty verdict. And therefore. 
Even though I did the crime, I'm not going to do the time. (laughs) Because Jesus did the time. He did the time on the whipping post, on the cross, on the three days and nights in the heart of the earth. Do you believe it, saints? Jesus paid for it. And if he paid for it, he didn't pay for his sins. He didn't have any. Who did he pay for? If he paid for your sins, then your sins are paid for. Then that means you don't have punishment coming for what you did. You did the crime, but he did the time. So you're not going to do it. I'm not going to hell. How about you? I'm not, I don't have to. I'm not going. I'm not going. And I'm not living in judgment and guilt and shame on this earth right now either. Because there is therefore, back up verse 1. There is therefore, when we get to heaven. Now. Right now, there is no guiltiness, no blame, no shame, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Somebody say, that's me, that's me, all day long, all night long. That's me. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Keep reading. For what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh. The law could not set us free from it. All it could do is show us what sin was. And it's righteous and perfect. But mankind did not live up to it. And could not be righteous by doing and keeping the law. There wasn't the power in it to cleanse our guilty conscience. And to set us free and to make us innocent. Like we've been saying. There's only one thing that could. It's Jesus. It's his blood. It's his sacrifice. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned, he found sin guilty. (laughs) He condemned sin. Sin was condemning us. Why? Because he was punished for all sin and he did not deserve it. So if the devil had known what was going on, the scripture said they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. The devil actually thought he was winning. <laughs> Means he doesn't know everything. Means he misses it bad. Over and over again. No. He thought he's killing the son of God. He thought, whoo, I'm pulling one off. Didn't know. He walked right into it. It was a setup. And when he punished, and when that judgment came, then all the devil, death, sin was condemned because he's innocent. He condemned sin in the flesh. And if he was judged, though innocent, then you and I can be innocent. Though guilty of sin, though judged, we can be innocent. How innocent are we? We're as innocent as him 
Because it's his innocence. It's his righteousness. It's not ours. All we did was receive it. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now there's a lot more there that we won't get into right now. But go with me to the latter part of this chapter. This eighth chapter, if you hadn't spent much time in this eighth chapter of Romans, I recommend that you do. Read it over and over. Listen to it over and over. So much in here. He said in verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now remember, you keep seeing legal terminology. So what does it mean if God is for us? It's legal terminology. Keep reading verse 32. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who's going to bring charges against us? It's God that justifies. It's God that finds us not guilty. It's God that declares us innocent. So God's not bringing charges against us. So then who's going to do it? <laughs> Verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Who is he that finds us guilty? You find they had to put it is in italics because there's a play on the words here. Who is he that condemns? And the answer is, it's certainly not to Christ. Because he's the one who died and is risen again and is at the right hand of God and is on our defense team. He is our defense team, I should say. Who makes intercession for us. When people hear this makes intercession for us, they think he's on his knees praying. But this is legal terminology. He is representing us in the high court of heaven. Are y'all with me, saints? First John tells us he is our advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I have an advocate. You don't just have an advocate. You got the. He's never lost a case. Never lost a case. <laughs> There's some people that quit him that shouldn't have. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But if you let him represent you all the way, you are sure of victory. Who is he that condemns? Do you hear the flow of language? Verse 31, look at it again. What should we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And he's talking about the opposing side bringing charges against. Keep reading. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's certainly not God. He's the one that justified us. Who's going to condemn us? It's certainly not the Lord Jesus Christ. If he had wanted us condemned, 
All he had to do was nothing. Not come, not die for us. Certainly not live for us. Make intercession for us. He didn't want us condemned. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on to talk about nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Said out loud, I trust in him. I am not condemned. I am not guilty. Go with me to the book of Psalms. And we'll build up through Psalms and into Isaiah. And I believe you'll be shouting real good time we get to the end of it. Psalm 37. These passages are prophetic. You know, how many know there are passages in the Psalms that describe in detail Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection. These are these words came through prophecy. And in Psalm 37, 28, it says, The Lord loves judgment and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. Did you know we have an adversary? We have an enemy. There is a devil. He's the destroyer, the stealer, the killer, the destroyer. And he's watching the righteous and he wants to get a case against and get a judgment against. He's always looking for it. And the Bible said in verse 33, here's some good news. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Say it out loud. God is on my side. <laughs> He's not against us. He's for us. Look in the 56th Psalm. Psalm 56 and 9. 56, 9. When I cry to you, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is with me. Said out loud, God is with me. He's on my side. Think of it in legal terms, courtroom terms. Who's on your side? Who's on your team? Who's for you? God's on my side. <laughs> now what prosecuting attorney in their right mind wants to go against God. You say, who's the defense attorney? The head of the church is the defense attorney. Well then, what difference does it make? <laughs> Who opposing counsel? Can you see that's what he's saying? If God's for us, who can be against us? You could also say, what difference would it make? Who's against you? When the head of the church is your counsel, is your advocate, this hasn't been real enough to us. It needs to be. Say it out loud. I have an advocate. Jesus Christ. The righteous is my advocate. He's on my side. 
the next psalm actually says this. Psalm 118 and 4. Psalm 118, 4. Let them that fear the Lord say, His mercy endures forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and threw me in jail. No, he sent me in a large, free, open place. Keep reading. Why? Why? The Lord is on my side. Oh, you need to say that two or three times. The Lord is on my side. Say it again. The Lord is on my side. He's on my side. He's on my side. What side should you want to be on? Hmm? Whichever side he's on is the side you want to be on. You ever see that little kids in the playground choosing up sides? And usually what they want to know, well, what side are you going to be on? Whoever's the best player, the biggest, the strongest, or what you know, speedy slim, what, uh, what side he's going to be on. Because you want to be on the winning side. Well, which side should you want to be on? Whatever side God's on. What side's he on? <laughs> According to this, he's on your side. Well, what about you? Whose side are you on? Are you on your side? God's on your side. Whose side are you on? Did you know that the reality is that so many Christians, they are not on their own side? They don't like their self. They don't believe in their self. They speak against their self. They actually testify against their own self. I'm nothing. I'm such a lousy Christian. I come short all the time. I know I'm just, I don't deserve. And I can't do and I don't have. Folks don't realize you are taking the stand. Only you are testifying against yourself. Somebody say dumb, dumb, dumb. And the reason people do it is because of how they feel. And how things have happened. But it's, it's absolutely dumb. Right? Don't be against your own self. Whose side are you on? There's some mind renewal to that, don't you? Whose side? You want to be on whatever side he's on. And he is, according to this, on my side. He's for us. He's not against us. How about you? You for you or against? For or against? Well, I don't like myself very much. You can tell. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a mess up. Friends, what we say in life makes all the difference in the world. Jesus said, by your words, your words, you'll be justified or you'll be condemned. Matthew 12, 37. By your words, what comes out of your mouth? How did they overcome the accuser of the brethren? 
By the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. What are you saying about you? Are you for you? Or against you? Somebody needs to practice testifying in a positive way. I'll help you out. First of all, you smile. Now come on and testify. How about you? How do you plead? That was weak. How do you plead? Not guilty. Whose side are you on? I'm on my side. I know that sounds funny to you. But in this situation, you understand what we're talking about. Hmm? How about you? Say it out loud. I'm a winner. I'm, a winner. I'm, victorious. I'm victorious. I'm free. I'm, free. I'm, redeemed. I'm redeemed. How do you plead? Not guilty. Not guilty. I plead healed. Yeah. I plead prosperous. Yeah. I plead victorious. Yeah. I plead brilliant. I plead wise. Well, why be against myself? Why call myself dumb and ignorant and a mess up? Why do that? Why testify against my own self? If we believe our words carry any weight, we will stop doing it. I said we'll stop doing it. And I don't think we ought not be against other people either. Don't be against them either. If God's for them, we ought to be for them too. Let's all get on the far wagon. <laughs> Down south they used to say, you fur it or again it? <laughs> well, I'm fur it. I'm for God. And I'm for myself. And I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm not against me. He's not against it. Read it again. The Lord is on my side. As a result of that, I'm not going to be afraid of how this thing's turning out. What can man do to me? That's sassy, isn't it? Who can be against me? Do you know who my defense attorney is? Verse 7, the Lord takes my part. With them that help me. He takes my part. And he takes the part of those that help me. With them that help me. Whose side are we on? We'll be on the same side he's on. And he's on your side. Go to Isaiah 50. Stop talking bad about yourself. Quit making jokes at your expense. Never call yourself Slow. Anything negative. Dumb. Don't talk about your failures. Change sides. (laughs) Don't be against yourself. How many would acknowledge that a lot of people have absolutely been their worst enemy? They themselves have been their worst enemy. They testify against themselves continuously. And the devil gets to say, see there, they said it themselves. I didn't say it. They said it. Now he brought it to you, reminded you of it. But you testify against yourself, you're in trouble. By your words. Put it up on the screen, Matthew 12, 37. Matthew 12, 37. Jesus said this. 
For by your words, Jesus said, you shall be justified. What is justified? Innocent, not guilty. And by your words, by whose words? Not by your friend's word, not even your spouse's words. It's your words that carry more weight in your life than anybody else's. By your words, you shall be condemned, found guilty. How many think it would be very smart of us not to say any words that would condemn us? But to say words continually by which we're justified. Isaiah 50, Isaiah 50 and verse 7, I'm going to read from the NIV, Isaiah 50 verse 7, he says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Well, how many think we could use a real dose of mind renewal in all these things we're talking about right now? Say it out loud, the sovereign Lord helps me. He is for me. He said, therefore, I've set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Why? Because of who's for me. Verse 8. He who vindicates me is near. We've already seen who is that? The sovereign Lord. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Man, this is sassy. (laughs) Who is my accuser? Bring it on. (laughs) Let him confront me. (laughs) How in the world could you be so brass? Be so bold. Verse 9. He said it again. This is why you can be so bold. Because it is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? They'll all wear out like a garment. Moths will eat them up. Here today, gone tomorrow. What does it matter? Their accusations and their charges. People are always concerned about what somebody thinks, what somebody says. You know something I've learned? When you get on TV and get on the Internet, a lot of people see you. You know, you'd like to think everybody likes you. (laughs) Hadn't always been the case. But sometimes people have said all kind of, you know, things that you can tell. They're trying to hurt you. It's an effort to try to hurt you. And you know something the Lord prompted me. One time I was taking one of the things I'd heard too seriously. And the Lord brought this to my heart and mind. He said, who are they? You're sure taking what they're saying very seriously. Who are they? And I thought, I don't know who they are. Who are they? What do they know? Huh? (laughs) Who are they? Just because they're confused and confounded don't mean I have to join them. Right? Just because they don't have a clue what's going on don't mean I have to get all upset. Who are they? It's amazing. People at absolute strangers who don't know them or anything about them say something and they get all upset and worked up about it. Why would you? You know they don't know you. You know they don't know what they're talking about. Why would you get all hurt and worked up and upset? Say it out loud. Who are they? Who are they? You'll say that again, won't you? (laughs) The complete Jewish Bible. Listen to how 
This translation says it. The CJB verse 7. Complete Jewish Bible says. For Adonai Elohim will help. Hallelujah. This is why no insult can wound me. Who are they? This is why I have set my face like flint. Knowing I will not be put to shame. Keep reading. My vindicator, my advocate, my justifier is close by. He's right here. Let whoever dares to accuse me appear with me in court. Let whosoever has a case against me step forward, big mouth. You about to get in trouble. <laughs> you about to learn what a real spanking is. Because <laughs> you ain't been beat till you've been beat by my advocate. When my attorney gets through with you. <laughs> when my advocate gets through with you. You will wish you hadn't messed with me. You wish you had picked somebody else. That was dumb enough to testify against their own self. Because I'm not. I will stay cool. I will stay calm on the witness stand. And I'll just smile and I'll say, not guilty. No, how do you plead? I plead the blood. I plead innocent. I plead healed. I plead redeemed. I deserve no punishment. None. (laughs) I get all the blessings. All of them. I plead blessed. I plead free. (laughs) You don't like it? Take it up with my lawyer. (laughs) Notice Proverbs 17, 15. Just hold your place here in Isaiah, but they'll put it up on the screen for us. Proverbs 17, 15. He that justifies the wicked and he that condemns the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. Now, if the Lord has justified us, has he or not? By what Jesus has done. He had not by what we did. All we did was believe it and receive it. But if the Lord has justified us, who's going to call guilty what he said is justified? And those who do are an abomination to him. It's a strong thing that he is displeased with and and it's an abomination to him that somebody is calling the ones he justified guilty, condemned. If he says you're innocent, you're innocent. Who's more important than him? We're talking about that. If you people tend to care too much about what folks say, who should we care what they think and what they say? More than anybody on the planet, anybody everywhere, anytime. Him, God. We should care more about what he says, what he thinks. And when he tells us how it is, that ought to be the end of it. Right there, that's it. If he says we're justified, then we're justified. So you don't want to be contradicting him, saying bad things about yourself. Do you? Or saying bad things about other believers. 
You remember that was the revelation that Peter got in the vision on the housetop when the Lord told him, don't you call common what I've cleaned. And you can see this here, can't you? Don't you call guilty what I've justified. That explains how it would be an abomination to him. If he says it's clean, and he's cleaned it by the blood of the Lamb, then it is absolutely, unquestionably clean. And who would dare get up in God's face and say, no, it ain't clean. (laughs) It's not justified. Not me, because I'm on the same side he's on. He's on my side. So I'm on my side too. Somebody say glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. You're still in Isaiah 50? Go to chapter 54. Isaiah 54, I'm going to read this in the uh, complete Jewish Bible. Thanks be unto God. For too much and too long there's been condemnation preached. Guilt is a huge part of most church-going people's life and belief. It's one of the major factors in many preachers' motivation. Guilt. People are moved to do this or to do that or to give or whatever out of guilt. You know you're supposed to. You know you should. (laughs) Shame on you if you don't. But this is absolutely... The language and work of the enemy. And it's happening in churches. Now I'm not thinking about anybody. I'm pointing the finger at me and going, don't ever do it. How about you? Don't ever do it. Our motivation is not guilt. It's not shame. It's inspiration. We've been set free. Christian people reverence guilt. If a person comes across acting guilty and ashamed, people think it's a good Christian. Hmm? You think, yeah, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm such a failure and, and I, I'm, I've come short in so many ways. People think, look at there. Oh, yeah, good Christian there. So quick to receive a charge against. Did you mess up? I probably did. I miss it all the time in so many ways. You are on the witness stand. Your enemy can hear this. You're going to really stand up there and say you're guilty? And you deserve punishment? See, the church has taught people to say this and do this. And it's played right into the hand of the enemy. And that's why so many things have gone wrong. And the door's been open to the destroyer in people's lives. So many places and times and ways. Because the devil says, hey, they plead guilty. I got a right. I got a right to kill, steal, and destroy. They themselves said they're guilty. Don't be quick to accept blame and guilt. That's not a good quality. Now, if you're wrong and you see you're wrong, you need to be quick to repent. But that's not the same thing. As being quick to accept accusation and charge and guilt. If I'm accused of something, I do not just throw up my hands and go, you got me. I'm guilty. No, 
I got to see it first. Did I miss it somewhere? You're not going to get me to say I'm guilty. I don't even know what you're talking about. Serious business. If you do see you missed it, confess it. Repent immediately. Now you can still stand back up and go, I believe innocent. <laughs> because of the blood. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. Isaiah 54, complete Jewish Bible, verse 14. In righteousness, you will be established. What will establish you? Righteousness. Righteousness. You'll be far from oppression with nothing to fear. Far from ruin, for it will not come near you. Why will it not come near you? Because you are established in righteousness. Verse 15. The Lord says, any alliance that forms against you will not be my doing. Whoever tries to form such an alliance will fall because of you. Verse 17, no weapon made will prevail against you. In court, you will refute every accusation. No matter what they come up with, it's not going to work. Why? You're established in righteousness. You're identifying with him. You won't confess guiltiness and shame and blame. You've been made righteous. You've been made clean. So nothing they come up with can work against you. And in court, you will refute every accusation. Said out loud, I will, I will. refute Every accusation. How do you plead? (laughs) Thank you for getting this. (laughs) He said in court you'll refute every accusation. The servants of Adonai inherit all this. The reward for their righteousness is from me. Other translations say their righteousness is of me. That's why we can't lose. It's his very own righteousness. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Go to Matthew 12 again in closing, I think. Matthew 12. We mentioned this, and and I'll I'll give you a scripture that goes along with it, and then we'll read Matthew. You're going to Matthew 12. 1 Timothy 5.19 says, Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And you just see a principle there. We are not to be quick to receive accusations. Are we? If somebody accuses somebody to us, our first response should not be, yeah, I know they're guilty. Sorry, rascal. I figure we're not supposed to be quick to believe the worst. We're supposed to be quick to believe the best. And even if they have missed it, are we for them or against them? We're for them. We don't want the blame fixed. We want the problem fixed. Jesus, we're not the judge. And who is going to bring charges against them? Not God. Who's going to condemn them? Not Jesus. Then why should we? Why should we? 
Even if they're caught in the sin. Like the woman. What did Jesus say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and, and sin no more. Get out of it. Live free from it. Free from the sin. Free from the guilt. Free from the blame. Free from the shame. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you Lord. Don't be quick to receive an accusation. And in Matthew 12, 7, Matthew 12, 7, he said, If you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Say it out loud. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Who's he talking about? Himself, he is. Is he the guiltless? How wrong was it of them to accuse him of guilt? Well, whose righteousness do we have now? (laughs) His. Then why wouldn't it be just as wrong to accuse us? Because through faith in him, we are now the guiltless. Can you see this, saints? We are now the guiltless. And, and you should not condemn or find, try to find guilty the guiltless. Skip down to verse 37. Verse 37, we saw it before, but we're right here again in the Amplified. In the Amplified, by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. Who said it? Jesus said it. Do you believe what he said is right and true? Should you be watching what comes out of your mouth and what you say about yourself? By your words, by my words, this is happening. Stand up on your feet. If you've made some bad testimonies, it's time to make a change. Let's put all that behind us. Ask the Lord to wash it away, cleanse it away. And when they go back and try to dig up our old bad testimony, they won't be able to find it. Washed away by the blood of the Lamb. And we're ready to give them a new one. Is that right? (laughs) Close your eyes. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Say it out loud, Father God, I worship you. I confess you are my righteousness. I have received the guiltless one. His guiltlessness has become mine by faith in Jesus Christ. Forgive me for speaking against myself. Are speaking against others. I will not. Join with the accuser. Of the brethren. Against others. Or against myself. I will speak. And confess. Redemption. Justification. Righteousness. Liberty. Salvation in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.